out there in podcast land. You've set to dial once again to Combat Sports Toronto, episode 48. Before I bury the lead, as I tend to do, my guest today for the going 10 rounds with Rhino is going to be the UFC flyweight superstar in the making, Miranda Fear the Maverick. So stay tuned for that a little bit later on in the show. Let's go ahead and get our schedule together. Uh, we are going to have the resuming uh, Dana White Contender Series. Bellator 251 co-main and main event recap, a full UFC Vegas 13 breakdown, main card picks for UFC 14, a Q&A with the Rhino gang, and then as the aforementioned, Miranda Fear the Maverick goes 10 rounds of Rhino. So, as we love to say every week, let's go ahead and get our swim trunks and our flipping floppies on and go ahead and dive right in. Dana White Contender Series, which actually happened on Wednesday, I'm assuming due to the uh, election being on Tuesday, we had Jared uh, Venata or Venera. Uh, versus Harry Hunsaker at heavyweight. This one was a quick first-round TKO. Hunsaker tried throwing that huge rolling left hook, which didn't have too much success. Uh, Jared went ahead and took him down, uh, beat him up, first-round TKO. Second fight at 145 with Vince Murdoch out of Michigan, but unfortunately, but uh, he, he ran into Louis Saldana. Uh, who got the TKO in the third round. It was a beautiful front kick that put him down, led to some ground and pound finish. Beautiful for uh, Lewis. Then Ignacio Bahamandes. Oh, man. These are tough names all day today, folks. <laughs> and every time I see Ignacio, I think of Nacho Libre. It's one of my favorite movies, and I love that name, Ignacio. So Ignacio looked like... The striker supreme, man. I'm telling you, he looked right out there. Edson Gomez was game, much shorter, much stockier, tried hanging in there. But, my God, uh, uh, beautiful. And I mean beautiful of the utmost respect to Edson Gomez. But, holy shit, you got knocked the fuck out, man. Ignacio, beautiful front kick to the face. Put him out. Oh, gosh, that was beautiful. Uh, and then, finally, we had uh, Carlos Olberg versus Bruno Oliveira. Big strike, left hook, right hand combo for uh, for Carlos. Got the dropped Oliveira, put him out for TKO. Literally, all four fighters who won got contracts. It was a really fun way to resume Dana White Contender Series. I enjoyed it. Look forward to seeing these guys in the octagon in the deer in the not too distant future. So. Uh, on Thursday, we had Bellator 251 from the Mohegan Sun in Connecticut. The co-main was uh, at 265 or a heavyweight. We had Tyrell Fortune versus Saad Salma. Tyrell Fortune used his wrestling a lot, used some good striking, got the unanimous decision. Moving into what everyone was kind of anticipating, I think, uh, of those of us who are both UFC and Bellator fans, we had Corey Anderson making his uh, promotional debut for UFC 251 against Melvin Manoff. Melvin Manoff has been around the game for like, 20 years by now. Phenomenal striker, Muay Thai kickboxer, Dutch dude, fantastic skill set. Corey Anderson whipped his ass. <laughs> Corey Anderson uh, got him down in the second round. TKO in the second with beautiful ground and pound, really hard elbows. Melvin looks like he was completely out of his element on his back like that. So a big win for Corey Anderson against a very tough veteran. We'll have to see what happens next when he you know, goes up against a ranked guy. So that's going to go ahead and lead us into UFC Fight Night Vegas 13. Our very first fight in the prelims was Gustavo Lopez versus Anthony Burchak. And Burchak, we've seen in the UFC before. Gustavo was a newcomer to the promotion. However, these two had trained before. They talked about it pretty lengthy on the uh before those two guys fought, they had been previously sparring partners, training partners, friends, 
you know, it, it was one of those deals where sometimes you got to fight your friends in this game, and that's what they did. Gustavo Lopez uh, dropped Burchak early, eventually took his back. Ground and pound led to the first round rear naked choke. So Gustavo Lopez gets his uh, gets his first win in the UFC. Anthony Burchak, I don't know, he's probably going to have to go back to the regional scene, I'm guessing, but never know. Uh, then moving to 170, we had Max Griffin versus Ramiz Baramija. Uh, the first two rounds were pretty similar. It was the both 10-9 with Griffin uh, using his nice footwork, using that snapping jab, evading, um, evading, taking any big shots from Edouard from uh, from Ramiz. And then, holy shit, dude, the meme hurt around the world in the third round. <laughs> Beautiful elbow from Max to Ramiz's ear. The ear completely detaches from the head. It was as gruesome and gnarly an injury you're going to see in MMA. Uh, yeah, so they had to stop the fight. TKO, third round. Max Griffin gets the win. But, man, we've all seen that picture and those memes that are going around ever since. Oh, my God. It reminded me, and I tweeted about this last night. It reminded me of um, when Kimbo exploded James Thompson, the juggernaut, exploded his ear. And then um, Leslie had a really terrible ear uh, ear injury as well. So, yeah, it, ears are... Ears are not not one of those little durable parts of the body. So if you hit it right, we can see what can happen to it. Yikes. All right, then moving into the veteran, Darren the Damage, Elkins versus Eduardo uh, Garagori. This one was all Elkins all the time. It was Elkins constantly taking him down, doing good work. Uh, when they got down to the ground, Eduardo, when he would get back to his feet, did some good stuff on the feet. But Elkins just took him down. I think he set the record, I think they said, for the most takedowns uh, in featherweight history, which is very cool to see. Darren Elkins really needed a win. He got it. Even I, I like the guy, even though he's got one of the worst tattoos in the history of the game. Darren Elkins, man, very, very tough guy. Cairo said he's the definition of gritty. Couldn't have said it better myself. Great, great fighter. Longtime vet. Good to see him get a big win last night. So uh, that moves our way into the big boys with Marcos Rogerio de Lima versus Alexander Romanov. Uh, this one, this one started out like Rogerio Delima was doing a good job, good job striking. But as soon as Romanov gets his big old bear mitts on you, grind you up against the cage, and then slams you down, there's there's no escape apparently for anybody. So the dude's now thirteen to zero. He choked out Rogerio Delima uh, with a the very rare forearm choke uh, from top. So he got the submission in the first round. Big win for Romanov, still undefeated. Man, this dude is going to be a player. I'm telling you. His his top game, it is sick. So, good job for him. Uh, moving into Trevin Giles, or Giles, I should say. I think Dama Cruz is having that same problem last night. It's Giles, not Giles. <laughs> Trevin Giles over Bivon Lewis. Uh, this one was the first two rounds. There was a lot of clinch work. Uh, Giles, geez, oh, Pete's man. I'm never going to get that name right. Giles dropped Lewis with a beautiful jab. Uh, the third round, he got the TKO uh, using his hooks. It was a good win for Trevin Giles. I'm glad to see him back in the cage. I know his last attempt at a performance against Holland, he had a – I'm not sure what they ended up calling it, but he ended up passing out and fainting uh, literally before he walked out to the cage. So I'm really glad to see him back in the cage. He looked confident. He looked strong. Good, strong strikes. Good job for Trevin. Uh, we'll see what's next for him. Uh, moving into the main card, we had Claudia Gedalia versus, and I'm going to say this name right, Jan Shonan, and this one was it was early takedown for Claudia. Claudia did a good job of getting her down, but she didn't do a whole lot of work when she was up there. And in fact, 
in fact, Shona did a much better job on the bottom, throwing beautiful elbows and, and, and really doing some damage. And then in the in the second and in the third, it was all it was all Yan. The 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 pressure, the ones and twos, the kicks, everything was just out class in Claudia. And I love Claudia, and I'm I'm sorry to see her trying to you know get dominated like that. Uh, Jan outstruck her 128 to 69, so she doubled her up. Uh, yeah, we have a great question about Claudia later in the Rhino game, which we'll get to. So a big win for uh, Jan Shonan, and we'll see what's next for her. Alrighty, moving into the 135-pound division, we had uh, Roni Barcelos versus Khalid Taha. Fight of the fucking night, people. You saw it. It was amazing. What a back and forth. What a what a fun, what a fun striking match. I mean, I know, I know Barcelos outstruck Taha 137-69, which makes it seem like it was an ass-kicking. I didn't think it was. I thought, obviously, he was landing more, but I thought Taha, with his toughness, coming back, meeting him with pressure, meeting him with big shots, it was a fun, nonstop fight, except for the nut shot. The nut shot may have a little break, but um, it was a great fight for both guys. I really, really enjoyed it. I know everybody else did, too. Uh, Barcelos, gets the, uh, Barcelos gets the win, however... I think Taha deserves another shot. What a what a fucking fight those two guys put on last night. So awesome for them. Moving into 145 pounds, we had Giga Chicka versus Jamie Simmons. Jamie Simmons was a late replacement out of Milwaukee. Uh, this was a nice first round TKO, dude. He threw a beautiful, this is Giga, by the way, threw a beautiful body kick, followed by high head kick, which knocked Jamie on his ass. Put he found it, you know, a little bit of ground and pound after that, but put him out. Beautiful win for Giga Chikese. I Again, Dana's really high on the dude. His kickboxing is amazing. We'll have to wait and see what happens. I know 145 is a really tough weight cut for him, so I don't know if he ends up back at 155 or continues at 45. We'll have to wait and see, but very good win for him. Uh, moving into the 265-pound, the long-time veteran, Andre Arlovsky versus Tanner. It is Bozer. Okay, it's not Bosser. I've been saying Bosser for forever. I guess it's Bozer. Uh, the tough Canadian uh, heavyweight. This was not a ton of action in this fight, right? There was a lot of posturing. There was a lot of looking at each other. Uh, Arlovsky landed a, a little bit more, landed a little bit harder. Bosser seemed to be, especially after he got tagged a couple times, really gun shy. This was not the same Tanner that we've seen in his last few fights. Under Arlovsky, I'm glad he got the win, but this was not the most exciting fight to watch. Uh, yeah, we'll have to wait and see what's next. I think Tanner, I think Tanner is a good prospect he just had a poor showing last night he maybe he the the bright the the lights were a little too bright for him the the name of andre carried a little bit too much weight i'm not sure but we did not see a typical tanner bosser or bozer i should say uh performance and under alofsky did what he had to do to win and he even said post fight he's like i'm not looking at i'm not looking at getting in wars anymore I'm not, I'm not interested in that at this stage of my career he wants to stick to his game plan and just try to get wins which i can respect so big win for under alofsky in the co-main event last night then moving into tiago santos marietta versus glover Teixeira. this one was not what i expected to go down and i, I know i'm not alone in that one Great performance, man, by Teixeira. He outlanded Tiago nearly two to one. He had four takedowns. Um, it, it was a beautiful performance for a guy who's just looked better and better as of late. Uh, in Glover Teixeira, he had four takedowns. Eventually, he got the rear naked choke in the third. I'm it, To me, it was one of those deals where we saw a guy who 
his performance against John Jones, Tiago, we saw probably the best we're ever going to see of him, right? Uh, I know the knee injuries are gnarly. It's a tough, tough deal for him. The the thing about Glover is he had a long he's had a long career. He looked great early, then he had kind of a rough go, and now he's almost reinvented himself to be this real player who really deserves a title shot uh, at 205. So very cool fight. Shout out to the over 40 club, which I'm a member. Big ups to you both, Glover and Andre Arlovsky for getting wins last night. So now we're going to get our way into the main card picks for UFC Las Vegas 14. You know I'm going with my dude, Eric Anders, former guest on the show, Rhino Gang Gang Gang. He's going to beat Antonio Arroyo by second round TKO in my prediction. Then we have Dontale Mays versus Roque Martinez. Uh, I've got Mays uh, winning by decision in this one. Then we got Julian Marquez versus uh, Saperbeg Savarov. I've got Marquez winning by second round TKO as well. Then we have Abdul Razak Al-Hassan. He's going to beat Chaos Williams by decision. Whew. And then the main event, Islam Makachev versus RDA. This one could go either way, boys and girls, but I'm going to stick with Islam. I think Islam's going to win by uh, split decision. I think it's going to be a very close fight. Really, really looking forward to it. RDA, we'll see what he's got left. Uh, yeah, you like we saw last night, man, you can't cut somebody out just because they're a veteran and they've got some L's on their record and they're getting a little bit north in the uh, in the age department. So very, very cool. All righty. This is going to careen our way into the Twitter questions for this week. Our first one comes from my homie, Rage of Sweet Potato. He says, with the lack of crowds due to the pandemic, which do you think is more advantageous for fighters in their corners? Speaking completely different languages that the opponent does not understand or speaking the same language, you can understand the corner's advice and use it more effectively to counter the opponent's game plan. I think for me, dude, I think it's always being able to speak a uh, different language. It's definitely a big advantage. Not only does your opponent not know what's being said to you, but your corner has no idea what's being said for your, uh, I'm sorry, for your opponent's instruction. That's a big advantage. And I also, I I like that. I've always liked that. I hate the, um, I don't know, the in-ring adjustments based on what the other corner is saying. I know it's not illegal by any stretch, but I, I don't know, man. I kind of like the purity of you having to figure it out in there for yourself, not based on what your opponent's corner is instructing them to do. I don't know. That's just kind of my deal on that. So yeah, definitely for me, bro, to answer your question more definitively, definitely the bigger advantage is, is, is speaking a different language so that nobody knows what's being said to you and the, and the coaching that's being relayed to you while you're in there. So thank you very much Raging Sweet Potato, my dude. I know our next one comes from my homie Sirius, or Cyrus King, the king of Twitter food porn, my dude. Cyrus says, Jan looked good, or Jan looked good yesterday. To me, though, she's primarily a striker. Claudia seems, uh, Saudi seemed stronger than her in the clinch. Wiley Zhang is a better grappler and probably even stand-up fighter, but... Way is probably just as strong as Andrade, who was way stronger than Claudia. How do you see the Wei Jean versus uh, Yan fight going down, and do I think she's ready? So this is a great question, dude. You brought up some great points, Cyrus. I see Zhang versus Shonan as a full stand-up battle. I, do, are they going to fight? I think eventually, yeah, I think they're going to. Uh, I think Wei will decision uh Nan, very close maybe three rounds to two or four rounds to one simply because i think Wei Li Zhang is 
harder striker. She has a gas tank that is unmatched, unparalleled. She can take an incredible amount of damage and keep moving forward. I think that Shannon is is all of those things, just a little bit less than, if that makes sense. So she's kind of like, she's kind of like she would probably be the best in the division right now if it weren't for Wiley Zhang, right? I, I think that fight will be tremendous. I think it'd be very cool to have two ladies from China fighting. Uh, maybe they could do that in China. I know me and Mixed Man had talked about this several shows ago about this possibility. Yeah, it's definitely something to look out for. I think it could be a great fight. I do think Wiley Zhang is the queen of that division and is going to remain so for a very long time against anybody else. So thank you very much. If you guys haven't already, absolutely check out Cyrus King uh, at Combat Corner, which is his podcast. Very cool dude. Wonderful person. Great show. Thank you so much, Cyrus. All righty. I know our third question comes from my homie, Mr. B. Mr. B says this week, after seeing Gedalia Yan fight, her cardio issues seem to show again. Do you think Claudia should change her fighting style or move up to the flyweight division? Mr. B, I don't know if at this point in her career, Claudia could like fully revamp her style. I think she is a ground fighter. I think her, you know, her striking is meant to be able to get you into the clinch, some work from there, get you to the ground, either ground upon you or submit you. However, I do like the idea of her moving up to 125. She's not tall at all, but she's very strong. We've seen the success of Jessica Andrade moving back up to 125. I think that Claudia could do well there. I think adding some strength and focusing on the takedowns of her and her offense once she's on top, right? So it's not just the takedown because she was able to take Yan down yesterday, uh, but she didn't do a whole lot from the top. In fact, she took a lot of damage um, when she was on top doing, trying to do her ground and pound. So I think she really needs to re kind of figure out where she wants to go, what she wants to do once she's on top, right? She has to have a sense of urgency and she has to be able to improve the skill set from top. And I think moving forward, that could be hugely beneficial to move it to 125. Add some strength, no more weight cut, really. Yeah, I think that'd be really cool and I'd like to see her up there. Uh, that could, you know, and again, that could prove to be some pretty interesting matchups at 125 for Claudia Gadelia. I don't think she's done. I don't think the the twilight of her career is setting in. I think she's got a lot of good fights left. But yeah, I would like to see her move to 125. I think that'd be pretty cool. So that is the conclusion of our Twitter questions this week. Let's go ahead and move into our voice questions. I know my first one comes from my homie Dave Fretz at Dave Fretz and at Solo Shoes, the Einstein of graphic design, as I love to call him. Dave Fritz, what do you got for us this week, my dude? Hi, Rhino. Hey, what's up, Rhino? This is Dave Fretz, at Dave Fretz and at Solo Shoes on Twitter and Instagram. Question for you today. Let's go with all combat sports. If you could attend any three events from the past in across all of combat sports, which events would they be and why? Hope you're good, man. We'll talk to you soon. Peace. Oh, this is a great question. Okay, so, and I knew them right away as soon as I listened to it. So my three are definitely the tough one finale between Forrest Griffin and Stephen Bonner. I would have loved to have seen that fight in person. I would love to have felt the energy, um, the anticipation of who actually won. And then the UFC giving Stephen a six-figure contract as well. The entire place popped. It was an amazing, amazing thing. Even sitting at home watching it, I was I was over the moon at how that fight turned out. It was a great event that I wish I could have been there to be to be uh, be a part of live. Then Brandon Rios versus Mikey Alvarado won in boxing. It's my favorite fight I've ever watched live. 
uh, from from my TV, but I watched it. I would have loved to have been there. It was the nonstop back and forth Energizer Bunny guys, two guys with their Billy Goat heads pressed up against each other, just throwing, throwing, and throwing. I, I love that boxing match. I tried to get Juice to watch it like it. He wasn't into it, uh, but that's my favorite boxing match I've ever watched. So, so yeah, Brandon Rios versus Mikey Alvarado won in boxing. And then the third one would be, I would have loved to have been in Australia to see Holly Holm knock out Ronda Rousey with that beautiful high kick. I would have loved to have been there. It was a massive event. Um, and I was a Holly fan and not a Ronda fan. So, yeah, I would have loved to have seen that one live as well. So, great question. My dude, Dave, if you guys haven't already, absolutely check out Dave Fretz at Dave Fretz and at Solo Shoes on Twitter and Instagram. The guy puts together the most fire posters. He has amazing shoes. Designs for hats. This dude is is winning on all facets of everything. Love the guy, my brother, Dave Fred. So I know our next one comes from the homie Juice from the Fighting With Myself podcast. D Reigns, what does Juice have for us this week? Rhino, this is your boy Juice from the Fighting With Myself podcast. And after last night's dominant performance over Chago Santos, many people are calling for Glover Teixeira to get the shot over Izzy, even though... The super fight between Israel versus Jan Blachowicz is all but announced. What I want to know is, can't we have both? Izzy versus Jan, March 2021, Glover gets the winner. It's that simple, baby. It's that simple. Stop crying. Anyway, love you. Love the show. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head, dude. That's exactly what should happen. So if if Glover gets the winner of Izzy and Jan, I'll be happy because that means his next fight is for a title shot. If if anybody pulls out, if Izzy pulls out, if Jan pulls out, something happens, let Glover fight for the interim title at 205. Or if um, you know, or if Jan, if, if Glover really wants to fight, let him have another fight against somebody else in the top five or 205. However, I think it would behoove him to sit out, wait for fucking Izzy and Jan to fight. Figure out who's the champion after that at 205, then give Glover the shot. Dude, I, I love either one of those matchups, actually. They really put they really put some different shit together to watch Glover versus John or to watch Glover versus Izzy. Really, really different styles, really different uh outcomes, I think, that would go down a lot of different spots throughout the fight. That'll be interesting to watch. So yeah, I definitely think he should get a fight for the title next. If he wants to wait, it should be the winner of Izzy and Jan at 205. So Great question, Juice. Guys, I already absolutely check out Juice at the Fighting With Myself podcast. Or if you're in the musical theater, 100% check out the Breaking the Fourth Wall pod, which is his new pod about musical theater. Thank you very much, Juicy Fruit. Bye-bye. All righty, and then moving into our third question comes from Kairos from the Shots Fired pod and his new fabulous YouTube channel. Well, the relaunch of his YouTube channel. So, D-Rains, what does Kairos have for us this week? Hey, first and foremost, I just wanted to say thank you for that previous episode with Fernie Garcia. I don't know too much about him. I didn't know prior to that, but he was on my radar because he trains at Fortis MMA and a lot of those fighters hype each other up leading up to their fights. So that's how I like knew his name, but not necessarily like him as a person or his skill set. So I went back and watched like some of his fights as well as like listen to some interviews. So that was pretty dope to see. Also, here's my question. 
Who do you think at 145 pounds? Yes, I know. I always talk about that division, but I love it so much. Who do you think can move up to 155 pounds and see tremendous success and even compete for a title? Because we're at the point now where a lot of fighters are starting to realize that they can't continuously cut down to these weight classes and they can't continuously fight large. So I feel like in the next three to five years, we're going to see a lot of fighters shift weight classes more than what we're used to. Thank you two so much for the good work and talk to you later. Oh, great question, dude. Yeah, for me, it's for sure the Boston finisher, member of the New England cartel, Calvin Cater, 5'11", big, strong frame, 72-inch reach. The dude is great everywhere, super durable. I can absolutely see him moving up to 155 and being a problem, not just a problem for the other guys at 155, but a future champ. Uh, he has got all the tools that I look for for somebody to be able to move up successfully. It's, I'm sure it's a hard weight cut for him to make 145. I know at 55, he would probably just get, you know, uh, feel more rejuvenated. And I don't think you'd be outsized and outmuscled by those guys at 155. I really, really don't. He's got good size and he's got all the strength on the feet and the strength on the ground and in the clinch. He's got full of confidence, dude. I absolutely choose Calvin Cater as my pick for who would do the best to move up from 145 to 155 and no you're not excessive in your standum for 145 dude it's an awesome division uh definitely again check out kairos on the shots fire pod and on his youtube channel the dude puts together fantastic content he's really fun entertaining love that dude all righty so before we get into our uh 10 rounds with ryan with miranda maverick let's go ahead and get a quick word in from our sponsor hey rhino gang are you looking for a piece of furniture to tie the room together Maybe make it feel a little bit more homey. How about a beautifully restored dresser for the bedroom or an end table for the family room? Well, look no further than my good friends at K&R Designs. You got a piece of furniture that needs restoration? They got you covered. Looking for a new addition to your home decor that's already been beautifully done? They got you there too. We're talking dressers, armoires, kitchen tables, cabinets, nightstands, any and all wood furniture you can think of, they've got or can get for you. So check out K&R Designs in-store at 101 West Chicago Boulevard in Tecumseh, Michigan, or on their website, knrcustomdesigns.com. Check out their Facebook page, K&R Home Deco, that's D-E-C-O, to see everything they have and the amazing work that they can do. You can also call and order at 517-605-7173. They accept PayPal, Venmo, Square, Cash, Check. They accept them all. So if you want the absolute best of the best and restorative wood furniture creators, you got to check out K&R Designs. Tell them you're a member of the Rhino Gang, and that'll get you 20% off your very first purchase. Once again, check out K&R Designs, Combat Sports with Rhino's proud sponsor. Oh, folks, now it's going to get into 10 rounds with Rhino with the UFC flyweight superstar to be, Miranda, Fear the Maverick. Coming off of her big win a couple weeks ago in the UFC fight uh, where she filleted her opponent's nose wide open with a beautiful inside elbow. Without further ado, take it away for 10 rounds with Rhino, Miranda, Fear the Maverick. Ladies and gentlemen of the Rhino gang, we've got a very special guest for you all today and for myself. Coming off of her amazing first round TKO stoppage in her, in her octagon debut, 125-pound prospect to watch, Miranda, Fear the Maverick. Thank you so much for joining me today, Miranda. I appreciate you having me. 
Oh, dude, I'm super stoked, especially after that big debut and you filleting that girl's nose wide open. And uh, that was a very cool debut. So, Miranda, what I love to do when I'm interviewing fighters is I got to know the backstory. I love to know how you first got started in this wild, wacky world of uh, that we call MMA. Uh, you know, it started out as like this venture into self-defense. My dad had kind of taught me a little bit of the basics at home, just wrestling around with him and my siblings. And so I decided I wanted to go to an actual gym and learn more. And by the time I reached 18, which was the legal age to fight MMA, I decided I wanted to give it a shot. Uh, so went in there and won my first amateur fight in the first round and decided that was my sport. It's what I wanted to be the best at. So it started a journey of me trying to be the best that I could be. And the rest is history. That's awesome, dude. Now, you started out after the amateurs, obviously, but in your pro career, um, in the Invicta organization. I'm a big proponent. All of my listeners know I'm a huge proponent of Invicta. I think they don't get nearly the shine that they deserve. Um, great, talented, great fighters, great athletes all come out of this uh, organization. What was your experience like uh, fighting for Invicta? Well, Invicta as a female, it gets the place where as an amateur, you always dream to go kind of before the UFC, you know, you're like, oh, I hope I get an Invicta. I hope I get into Invicta because it's the feeder directly to the UFC. And I agree, they do not get as much credit as they should. Um, but for me, it was amazing. You know, it's that all women's organization. They take care of you like their family. Shannon, who runs it, is just super nice to all the girls, very encouraging. And it was a good promotion to be a part of. Plus, they're based in Kansas City, Missouri, which was pretty close to my home for it being an international organization. I couldn't ask for any better uh, start into the pro career. Absolutely. Yeah. Big shout out to Shannon Knapp. I've interviewed lots of Invicta and former Invicta fighters, and everyone has nothing but nice things to say about her and the organization. That's very, very cool. Um, your UFC debut, Miranda, was stopped in between rounds one and two due to a nasty cut from a beautiful step-in elbow that you threw. Is that a technique that you've worked on a lot in practice, or was this kind of like you saw the opportunity and you seized it kind of spur of the moment? A little bit of both, but we had definitely been working that move leading up to the fight, um, you know, working in elbows with my Muay Thai game and stuff. And interestingly, my coach, like, leading up to the fight for my uh, – like, oh, sorry, I forgot the word, but like leading up to the fight and knowing what game plan we were going to work, he kept doing like these on elbow combinations and the step in elbow was one of those, especially if I like faked a takedown and came up with the elbow. Uh, but I also adjusted within the fight and saw she was dropping her head down as she would throw at me. So she wasn't really watching as she came in and left her center wide open. So I was able to just step in and actually hit her with the elbow three separate times and the third one hit his mark. If you look directly, you want to talk about throwing down the middle. If you look directly at the cut, I mean, it is bullseye on the bridge of her nose, right dead center. I think you should look into a uh, post-fight career and maybe in dart throwing or some sort of <laughs> other bullseye achieving sport because you had dead-eye accuracy on that one, my friend. Um, yeah. We know you just you just fought a couple weeks ago, but you sustained very little damage, took very little damage in the fight. Do we have any idea when we can expect to see you back in the cage? I'm hoping early December. I gave them dates for when I'll be out of school and be free to fight, and now it's just waiting on the matchmaker to find me an opponent. Awesome. So hopefully we'll see if uh, in December if they can get you matched up and we get to see your sophomore performance uh, for the UFC. <laughs> now, you mentioned being in school. You, you're you only 23 years old. I don't know if everybody is fully aware of that. Very young in the sport, but you've already had 10 pro fights and 10 AMI fights before that. Do you feel like your AMI experience has been like kind of a major factor in you being able to jump out to an eight and two pro start? 
A little bit, yes. And uh, technically, I think I had eight fights as an amateur, and now I'm going 12 fights as a pro. Two of them counted as exhibition bouts. Oh, for the Invicta Phoenix Rising series, right. Right, right. but then again, UFC called me 10-2 and two a couple times, so I don't know what to think. I'm going to go. <laughs> I like that number anyway, 10-2. and two. <laughs> Right. So uh, for me, like having that large amateur career, which all of them were within a year, my goal was to turn pro before I turned 19, and I signed with Invicta about a week before I uh, turned 19. So my goal was met there, but giving me so many fights as an amateur kind of let me know where I was at and gave me that experience to where I wasn't nervous anymore going into fights and I was fairly well-rounded. I lacked in my striking, but luckily my grappling and submission game paid off for me enough to um, give me time to develop as a pro. It's always amazing hearing somebody at your age who's already been pro for as long as they've like, I didn't turn professional until I was 31. So I was pretty <laughs> late in the game and it's pretty cool to see uh, even at your age, the the amount of uh, maturity that you show inside the cage, uh, it's always very, very impressive. It's definitely something in researching your fights that I noticed was your composure and your ability to withstand, you know, it's you get put in a lot of crazy situations in MMA. And so yeah. um, th- that's definitely been one of your outstanding, you know, aspects of your game that I definitely noticed. Um, you've got wins in a variety of ways. We got rear naked chokes, arm bars, decisions, but Liana, I believe is the right way to say her name. Correct. That was your first pro win by stoppage due to damage from striking. Was there something different that you felt about that? Did it feel more, I don't know, satisfying to get a win via TKO? Or is it just a win's a win's a win and we move on to the next one? Had it been in the middle of the round, I would have been more satisfied. But just winning via my striking was very satisfying, of course. I've been working on my striking and even going into the fight like her and the commentators, you can hear at the very beginning, like they were underestimating my striking. They didn't think I was a great striker. The only time I had really showed any striking to speak of was in my Phoenix Rising tournament and maybe a little bit during my Pearl Gonzalez fight, which was my previous one to getting my UFC debut. And so I wanted to go in there and kind of show them that I am well-rounded. I did have striking. I just hadn't had to use it previously. And in between every fight, I was improving. Um, Training at the House of Muay Thai has just helped me so much with my game planning and being able to set up my striking with my takedowns and things and finally making me that well-rounded fighter. So getting a finish that way was so exciting. My coach was excited. Everybody was excited. And I hope to go in there next time and put it all together. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the the name is so it's so funny. So where does fear the maverick come from? And it's funny. We, the reason I'm saying it's funny is the it just fits so perfectly, right? So yeah. where did fear the come from? Like, did you name yourself that? Did some a coach give it to you? What's the origin story of fear the maverick? It technically came from one of my previous coaches. Obviously, the maverick was what it was before that. Just Miranda the maverick. It fits so well uh, with my last name and everything. But the fear the part got put in there because. Um, if people like see me as just a person, I'm super nice. I don't exactly fit the stereotypical grumpy, mean fighter (laughs) stereotype, especially like even leading up to the fight. Usually I shake the person's hand. I'm super nice to them. Like, just like hope we're both safe, you know, like best wishes in the fight. Sure. Coach was like, you gotta be meaner. And if you're not going to be meaner, we just got to say that you're meaner. And so he was like, you need to make them fear the Maverick. And then somebody repeated it and then it got posted. And then after about a month, it stuck. (laughs) <laughs> that's always so fun man i love hearing about because you know i know i've already shared mine on the story before how i got mine and everybody's is different and it's always very cool i always like to hear about those stories um so miranda this is my obligatory food question everybody knows i always include one food question in every 10 <laughs> rounds so you've already the, the weight cut is over you've been 
You've been dieting down for weeks. The fight's over. You get to relax and indulge in whatever you want to eat. What are you snacking on? What are you eating for dinner? What and where is it from? <laughs> if I had my choice, I'd eat sweets morning, noon, and night. Uh, <laughs> we addicts. I, I love going and eating like cookies and ice cream. Um, and then for whatever reason, it became like a theme. Well, it's not whatever reason. Because fights usually get over so late, most restaurants and things were closed as I was an amateur and going up through Invicta. So my family and I would always go to IHOP afterwards and order whatever I wanted. And so that's always been like the big thing to go to after my fight. Yeah, IHOP is, if you're lucky enough to be in an area where they have IHOPs, they are open late. Uh, there was many a time in the uh, amateur ranks and even a few times pro where there's just nothing open. So you've got to find the 24-hour gas stations and just fend for yourself <laughs> for something to eat at 1 o'clock in the morning or whatever. So I think mm -hmm. IHOP was a good option for you to have. Yeah, that's, um, IHOP has unique, go, stuff, go ahead. steak and flavored pancakes or where it's at. <laughs> oh, I've never tried those, but that sounds pretty amazing. <laughs> Yeah, you had the unique opportunity to fight three times in a night. This is something that I, I always wanted to do. And I, I found one pro heavyweight tournament that was going on in England. So I wasn't prepared to fly over there and do all that. But I, I was really jealous when I heard about you being able to fight three times in a night. Can you kind of walk us through what the Invicta Phoenix Rising tournament was like for you? Yeah, sure. It's definitely not something to be jealous of. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, it was actually pretty like intense like miserable in a way uh just for me because of the stress that was formed in it but at the same time very exciting you know there are positives and negatives to it and uh i think the worst part was how rushed everything seemed like you get done with the first fight they literally run you down back to where you were in the warm-up room they take off the tape on your gloves they wait for the next interview to start and they pick out the next name that you're gonna fight and then they wrap on the color of glove that you're gonna need for that corner and you run back out there and fight basically because they have their legal limit of 30 minutes between fights. And so they, they fit as much as they can within those 30 minutes and get you right back out there. So, okay. So uh, here's a question I have for you about this specifically. So do they leave the original <laughs> tape on? They just take the gloves off like the original hand wraps? No. So they, uh, they leave the hand wraps on and they leave the gloves on, but you know, the colored tape for the corners yeah. off. So you have your gloves on the whole time, which if you know, as a fighter hurts, like yes. your fingers get super sore and I had it on absolutely two hours. Like it was pretty brutal. Like my fingers are really sore afterwards. My fingers are just like bruised up, not from the damage, but from the gloves. Um, so that part was rough, you know, just having my hand in basically a mold the entire time. And then of course the stress and emotional like stress of not knowing who your opponent was and having to go in there with a game plan for each person. And luckily for me, like being a grappler, I have an advantage against a lot of other girls and just the strength that I have physically, I felt like I could have one game plan for every opponent I faced. And that's exactly what I did. Um, and also, I had asked to have Deanna Bennett in the final round. They were like, who, if you could pick anybody, would you fight? And I was like, well, I hope Deanna Bennett, but I don't want to face her in round one or round two. I want to face her in finals. That way, somebody couldn't be like, well, you didn't get to go three rounds with her. So I don't know. Right. Um, oh. So I redemption back. She was one of my losses. And I was yeah. her and also finish her, which had never been done to Deanna Bennett today. No, that's fantastic, dude. And even with all of your... Um... Even with all of your reasons, you didn't talk me out of it. I'm still very jealous. I would, I would always have loved to have done it three times in one night tournament. That would have been so amazing. So, uh, 
though, one more question about that tournament, about the three times. So did you have to see like a doctor kind of like on the outro and to go back in? Or was it just the beginning of the first fight? You got your doctor clearance and then that was good for the remainder of the evening. Oh, no, I had to go and see a doctor like they would rush you out of the cage, run you straight down to the doctor to check for concussions, cuts, etc. And then you would go take care of the media stuff and then they would take you back out there. So between every fight was the doctor. And then, of course, okay. after the whole tournament, they did a more comprehensive exam. Right. Yeah, I was wondering about that. I, thought, I think that tournament idea is just so interesting and cool. And it was something I never got the opportunity to do. So thank you for letting me uh, run through that. So now... Um, usually with the 10th round, uh, Miss Maverick, I, I like to uh, ask kind of an obscure, kind of crazy, kind of off the wall question. <laughs> but for you specifically, I wrote a four-parter rapid fire 10th okay. round. If you you let me know when you are ready, and I'm going to go ahead and get started. Go for it. All righty. Who is the who is your favorite character in Top Gun? Uh, Maverick, of course. What was <laughs> what's the 1994 Mel Gibson and Jodie Foster Western movie called? Oh, my goodness. I know exactly what you're talking about, and I've watched it at least twice, but I don't remember the name of it. Mel Gibson's one of my favorite actors, though. <laughs> okay. Um, what, is the, what is the team, what's the NBA team in Dallas called? No idea. Don't ask me about sports other than MMA. <laughs> Miranda, you're killing me. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I know. The, okay. I'm just going to let the cat out of the bag. Every answer is Maverick. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Maverick or Mavericks. The, the Dallas NBA team is the Mavericks. The, oh, the Mel Gibson Western, Western is called oh. Maverick. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, what are the crappy low-end cigarettes that every gas station sells across America? Okay, for... I would have I would have known that one at least. And that's the new one. And then the, and then, well, yeah. And then the last one was... <laughs> Who's the prospect? Of, who's the number one prospect to watch out for at 125 in the UFC? Uh, me, of course. Maverick. Yeah, Miranda the Fear of the uh, Maverick, dude. <laughs> I got, I got to hear the the one about the Western though. Wasn't that one like made more recently, or were you saying base? No, Maverick was uh, 1994. Mel Gibson and Jodie Foster. Uh, it was called mm -hmm. Maverick, and the reason I know it was that old is because I had it on VHS. Some of that you probably have never even had in your oh, life. Oh, yeah, I did have VHS. I think I was the last generation to, but <laughs> I thought that one was the one with uh, James Garner and them, but maybe it was the Mel Gibson. I watched the old, old Maverick, like the one from even before that that was the episodes with uh, James Garner and Bo and all them in it. Yeah, I think that was a TV show. Yes, correct. And Maverick is a movie. That. <laughs> yeah, it's probably, you know what, they probably based the movie off the TV show, to be honest with you. I'm not sure. <laughs> They do. Mel Gibson is James Garner in that oh, movie. Oh, okay. And then I they made James Garner. More, yeah, and then they made this more recent one, and James Garner is his father, which is funny. Oh, is that right? Okay. Yeah. yeah, I remember James Garner from the Rockford Files. Now, that's really aging <laughs> me, because even I was little when that came out with my and my dad, and I would watch that one, so very cool. Miranda, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate you taking time out today to uh, go 10 rounds with Rhino, and uh, we are all looking forward to seeing you back in the cage. You're one of the hottest prospects and we really think there's a super high upside for you uh, in that division and in the UFC. So, again, really appreciate you taking your time out today. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. It's an honor. This is Miranda, Fear the Maverick, and I just went 10 rounds with Rhino. Dude, I can't tell you how much I appreciate Miranda coming on. That was a very cool interview. It's always, it's always good to get that inside 
look and kind of how they're perceiving their career and how they're looking at things. Plus, get to know them on you know a different level, a personal level outside of just the fighting world. She couldn't have been more fun or more nice. I really appreciate Miranda coming on this week. Can't wait to see what's next for her. It looks like it sounds like it might be December or January. So really, really looking forward to seeing Miranda fight again. And she could be really somebody who makes waves at 125. Uh, in her next few fights. So very much looking forward to that. All right, let's go ahead and get into our shout-outs to the Rhino Gang. Thank you so much for this week's contributors. Raisin Sweet Potato, Cyrus King, Mr. B, Dave Fretz, Juice from the Party With Myself podcast, Kairos from Shots Fired. Absolutely, once again, check out his YouTube channel. <clears throat> Kairos is so cool. And I love that clip, dude, where he's like, sponsored by Subway. Okay, not really, but... <laughs> It sounded cool. Uh, that was too good, dude. So absolutely, uh, shout out to other members of the Rhino Gang. Jess, my scream queen, Supreme, my homie Marquise from Week Sauce Radio, Molly Bell, Lanta Brown, Mikey G from the Wocast slash Shots Fired, APB, D Crons, all the homies from the MCCI, Scott Nolan, the proud new daddy. Love you, buddy. Hope you're doing great. Miss Fight Diva, ladies of the TKO pod, Trouble, Shaylin, Sin City Sarah, the homie Angel, you've been a great support lately, brother. Really, really appreciate you. Uh, Brett, MMA, holding down Sweden for the Rhino Gang. Mixed a man on his great uh, North American journey. The homie Jim Asood and so many more. We could not do this show without you guys. Thank you so very much for your constant support. Of course, Andrea, who will be here next back next week. Uh, D- Dave Fretz. D. Reigns, the best engineer in the biz. You guys, once again, are the backbone of this show. Have a wonderful rest of your week. Ladies and gentlemen, we can't wait to see you next week. Black Lives Matter. We've got a brand new start in this country. Let's try to heal. Let's try to be nice to your neighbor. Let's get rid of this goddamn pandemic. Everybody be safe. Have fun. Have a great week. And we will see you next week. Cage Side!